Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Thank you for this time, and thank you for this conference, Lord. Lord, this is your time. I just pray that you may be seen, felt, and heard in every word that I speak and every action of my life, Lord. I humbly ask that we may come away from this meeting knowing you more and understanding more of the calling you have for each one of us. I thank you for all that you have done and all that you're doing, all that you will do today and through this conference. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So six words. Does anyone have a guess on what maybe these six words are? Or maybe in your own practice, um, six words that you use or a motto that you live by that you remember every day when dealing with your patients? Anyone? This is interactive. Yeah, to talk to me. That's, that's why I asked the question. Anyone? What'd you say? I heard you over there. Humility. Humility. Okay, that's one word. What else? Ask God for help. It's four words. Okay. Anything else? What can I do for you? Oh, that's a good one. Let me show you to Jesus. Great, six words. Maybe I should change. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, no one guess uh, what the six words that I'm going to present on are, so this will be exciting. So let's, uh, but those were all great, so let's get into the presentation. So this is a CME activity, so there are no disclosures that I have. Um, but the objectives are that by the conclusion of, the, of this um, CME activity, the learner would be better able to understand the barriers that hamper or destroy providers' effectiveness in patient care, recognize that spirituality is a core patient need and its beneficial influences on health, and also understand the role spirituality can play in their professional growth, promotion of personal happiness, and the basis of their calling as a healthcare provider. So in 2019, a study was conducted by the National Coalition for Cancer Survivorship, where patients and physicians were asked about some physician behaviors that can have a negative impact on effective communication between the healthcare provider and the patient. So some reasons given by the patient were that the provider withholds information or provides this information in a cold and tactless manner. The physician sometimes talks down to patients or use terms that are unfamiliar to patients, or that the provider has body language or behavior that signals that they're really too busy to give the time uh, that the patient may need. Physicians also noted some barriers, uh, mostly centered around not understanding the subject matter and thus not being able to teach it, and then also being afraid or ashamed to admit that they don't understand the subject matter and then also doubt in certain treatment options uh, due to unfamiliarity of the method. So these barriers not only made it more likely for a patient to be non-compliant, but with um, the lack of empathy perceived, trust, and the lack of concern perceived, the, the patient is likely not to return to the provider to receive the care they need. So interestingly enough, these barriers not only exist in communication of physical diagnosis and treatment, but also in spiritual health care as well. In 2016, the AMA, the American Medical Association, conducted a survey and found that 41% of patients want to discuss religious or spiritual concerns in the healthcare setting, but less than half reported being offered the opportunity to receive such care. 
In 2003, a survey was conducted in primary care clinics at six academic medical centers. A total of 456 patients participated in the study, and 65% of these patients felt that the physician should be aware of their religious preferences, while 35% preferred that the physician ask them about their beliefs. The study also showed that the patient's desire for spiritual interaction with their physician increased with the severity of their illness. Other studies have shown that as many as 83% of patients would want their physician to inquire about their beliefs, and studies even indicate that integrating spiritual care into patient care significantly enhances patient satisfaction. And the converse is also true. Patients surveyed said that when spiritual care is not integrated into their health care, that their satisfaction levels are actually decreased. So the effect of spirituality on health is really an active area of research. Typically, studies on this topic tend to fall into three major categories, either mortality, coping, or recovery. Some observational studies suggest that people who have regular spiritual practices tend to live longer because religious commitment may offer richer social support and the strength of personal values and moral view. So patients who are spiritual may utilize their beliefs in coping with illness and pain and life stresses. Interestingly, a study... um, of um, heart transplant patients showed that um, those who participated in religious activities complied better with follow-up treatment and had improved outcomes at the 12-month follow-up visit. So these studies highlight the importance of um, assessing spiritual needs and having a conversation about spiritual health with every patient. Yet few providers actually do this, thus creating a gap in a patient's health care. Also, when a prior does address spiritual health, many patients observe the same barriers that we just discussed and are non-compliant with the recommendations or do not return to the subject in subsequent visits. When physicians were specifically surveyed about addressing spiritual care and the barriers that may be um, uh, present, they said similar things, lack of time, lack of knowledge and interest in spiritual things, and they didn't want to make people feel uncomfortable, and they felt uncomfortable themselves. So an understanding of the impact of spirituality on overall health is really essential. And although challenging, consistently addressing the matters with every patient is as important, if not more important, than addressing their physical and emotional needs. So I'd like to demonstrate these points in three unique cases. The first case, Zizi. She's a 61-year-old woman um, who had poorly controlled hypertension and obesity. When she came to me, she was already on three different blood pressure medications. And despite this, her blood pressure was consistently in the 180s to 190s over 90 to 100 range. She was complying with all her medication. So as I talked with her, I thought that really the most likely cause of her elevated blood pressure was because she didn't have a great lifestyle regimen. So as every good Adventist physician does, I started talking about lifestyle with an acronym. I used New Start. First, nutrition and and exercise and water, sunlight, temperance, fresh air, rest. And then when I got to the last T, I looked at my clock and I realized, don't have time for this. So... I uh, told her, you know, we'll, we'll follow up. We'll talk about the rest on our next visit. But I felt a little guilty. So um, in order to 
um, make myself feel a little bit better, I kind of rambled off something uh, to the tune of, you know, health is really important and it includes spiritual, physical, and emotional uh, needs. And, you know, we talked a lot about physical health today and um, spiritual health is really important as well. And some of my patients like to talk about spiritual health. And so um, they even like to include spiritual practices such as prayer. So is this something you'd be interested? Would you like to pray with me today? And... She was pretty confused at that point, not really knowing where that came from. (laughs) So she declined, and um, she left the office with a note from me that she brought to the checkout counter saying, follow up for blood pressure um, uh, in two weeks. So the way my office was structured, um, in order to make more availability at my schedule and also to decrease the wait time for patients for straightforward visits, her repeat blood pressure check was actually scheduled with uh, my medical assistant. Um, and so I knew that it was going to be a long time before I actually saw her. Um, and so, you know, at that visit, I felt, I felt that I'd missed the mark. I felt that I should have done more, but then I consoled myself saying, you know, I do have a busy schedule. It wouldn't be fair for other people to wait longer. And I did talk about lifestyle, right? Check. And I did offer prayer. Check. And she was really the one who refused to talk about spiritual health. So I felt a little bit better. Two weeks later, my medical assistant knocks on my door. And she reports that Zizi has returned. And she checked her blood pressure three times, and the best reading that she got was 180 over 100. So besides this, Zizi was crying because her blood pressure was still not controlled despite compliance with all the medication and lifestyle recommendations. So at this point, remember I said that she was on my medical assistant schedule, so she wasn't on my schedule. So I had a full schedule, patients set to arrive any minute. And I had also discussed with her at a previous visit that if her blood pressure still wasn't controlled, we might need to add a fourth antihypertensive to help control her blood pressure. So I took the easy way out. I said, you know, I have a busy schedule. We already talked about this. Let her know that we're just going to add that other blood pressure medication, and then she can see me back in the office. That didn't work. My medical assistant returns soon after saying, the patient wants to speak with you. So I brought Zizi to my exam room. I checked her blood pressure myself with a manual cuff, and the reading was 186 over 94. She was asymptomatic. Her exam, besides her blood pressure, was otherwise normal. And um, she was really distressed. She said, you know, what am I doing wrong? I've done everything you told me to do. So I reviewed her medications, and I went through New Start again, um, but I didn't leave out the last T this time. So I thought to myself, what could be going on with her spiritually? So I asked her this way. I said, is there anything causing you stress? She responded, and she described a very stressful situation. So immediately I saw the cause of her poorly controlled blood pressure. I told her that her stress was negatively impacting her body. And before I can even start to describe a spiritual solution, she said, Doctor, what do you do? Her question took me off guard, but she continued and she said, I know you don't have high blood pressure, so what do you do? I started to explain that besides physical lifestyle changes, 
there are also spiritual things that can impact her physical health. And then I continue to explain that I believe in God, I spend time with him, and I pray. She said, you know, I believe in God too. I'm a Muslim. And so, you know, feeling a little uncertain, I kind of tried to give a disclaimer saying, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but she interrupted me. It doesn't matter. I want to know what you do. So I talked to her about reading the Bible. At that time, I was um, directing a a depression anxiety recovery program. And in that program, each participant is encouraged to read a chapter of Proverbs every day that corresponds to the date. So like today is November 1st, so you read Proverbs chapter 1. Tomorrow you read Proverbs chapter 2. So I told her to try that. I also talked to her about the book, The Ministry of Healing, and especially the chapter called Mind Cure. And also a book called Telling Yourself the Truth that talks about interpersonal relationships and sometimes the barriers that arise in our belief system about those barriers and uh, how to navigate and how to improve her interpersonal relationships. And then I told her about forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness just as God has forgiven us. But then I told her something very important. I said that even if you exercise every day, even if you eat all the right food, even if you read all the books I just told you about, you might still have elevated blood pressure. I explained to her that you need to ask help from the one who knows you, who made you, and who loves you. And then I said, would you like to pray? This time, she said yes. And we prayed together. And then she left the office. That same note says follow-up blood pressure check, two weeks. So two weeks later... I get another knock on my door, my office door, and it's my medical assistant again. And she says, Zizi wants to speak with you. And so I sigh and I figure, you know, man, nothing changed. So I asked her, I said, what was her blood pressure reading? And so my assistant said, it was normal. And I told her she could go home, but she wants to speak with you. And so I asked again, I said, what was her blood pressure reading? And so my assistant replied, 120 over 74. So I walked into Zizi's room, and I looked at her. And before she could even say anything, I saw the change in her face. Her countenance was brighter. She had lost weight, not only in pounds, but also letting go of those years of burden that she'd been carrying. And then she explained to me that... um, That day, two weeks ago, after we had talked, she went home right away and got online to Amazon Prime, and she ordered all the books that I told her about. And she did it through Amazon Prime so she could get next day delivery, and she'd been reading them every day since then. So she'd been reading the Bible every day. She said she's the happiest that she's ever been, and then she acknowledged that she now knew the source, with a capital S, of her healing. Case number two is an account in the Bible that we're familiar with. In John chapter 11, we're introduced to LB, a man likely in his 30s who fell ill and whose case was not improving. He too, he was too ill, excuse me, even to call for his most trusted physician himself. So his family called for him instead. The response was, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Yet Lazarus died. And to make things seemingly worse, the physician did not show up until he had already been buried. 
Pain and disappointment and weakening faith could be seen in the words of Lazarus' sisters. If you had been there, they said, couldn't this man who had opened the eyes of the blind, the crowd around scoffed, and don't roll away the stone, it will smell too much, they pleaded. Jesus, not listening to the doubts, proceeded to call his friend from death to life. Imagine the sound of rustling as Lazarus' body stirs, and then the sight of this form sitting up and then standing up and then making its way to the door of the tomb. Yet his movements are impeded. The stone has been rolled away. Death has been divinely dismissed, but there still remains one barrier that exists between him and Jesus. Christ addresses that same doubting crowd that just recently expressed their lack of faith in him, and with authority he says those six words. Are you ready? Loose them. Loose him and let him go. The great physician here, in a simple phrase, tells his physician what their calling is. He shows us in these six simple words that he is the one who does the healing, he is able to give life, but calls us to a special work of unbinding God's children so that they can walk with him. Those six words reveal to us God's authority, our mission, and the source of power with which we perform the work. Case number three, A.B. A.B. was not my patient, but she was a friend that relayed to me her experience. She told me that one day she walked into her physician's office with vague neurologic and cardiac symptoms. After having a detailed evaluation, the differential diagnosis was not good. The physician painstakingly began to describe to the patient, A.B., what these symptoms indicate and the additional tests that would have to be done. The physician, though, was unsure of what advice to give her. She was already a vegan. She exercised regularly and avoided unhealthy social habits. She was a model patient, in his opinion. She was hearing the doctor go on about these tests and diet and possible future loss, but she recounted this wasn't what she needed to hear. As she heard the differential diagnosis explained, she felt as though something inside of her died. When she left his office and went outside, she couldn't feel the sun's rays on her skin. She couldn't hear the birds singing. Everything which just the day before had brought immense joy brought profound grief as she pondered her future. She was alive, but dead to everything around her. She sunk into a deep depression. Life seemed meaningless, and her world became very dark. Then something happened in her experience, where through God's providences, she could hear him saying, Get up. I'm not done with you. With a divine strength, she started to arise from the darkness of dismal forebodings and slowly followed God's voice. Yet she didn't get very far because she was still bound. Bound by doubt and pain and a misunderstanding of the character of a God who could allow something like this to happen to someone he loved and who loved him. She felt that her life, as with Lazarus, was one where many were just standing around, too awestruck and unbelieving to help. So she tried to still advance, but the grave clothes with every advance became tighter and tighter. In her case, there was one person in particular who understood those six words a great physician taught. A kind Christian female psychologist saw her case. 
She looked at that stone that had already been rolled away in her life. She acknowledged that God, although through a painful trial, had given A.B. another opportunity to live a life complete in him. And then she proceeded to do her part to remove the grave clothes. So that A.B. could see, she first started with a cloth that covered her face. She would say, look at him. He is a good God, and he has always been with you, even in the darkness. Next, she removed the grave clothes binding her hands and told her to reach out and hold his unchanging hand and grasp his promises of hope and a future. Then she untied her feet and encouraged her to walk with him in the newness of life. Without a Christian healthcare provider understanding her higher calling and Christ's command, A.B. wouldn't have a relationship with God today. So in your life, in your practice, in your professional career, God has intentionally placed you in paths of individuals who are spiritually bound and literally cannot untie themselves. For you, he has the same command, those same six words. Loose them and let them go. If you had failed to see the patient returning with poorly controlled hypertension as someone who needs to be introduced to the Savior, it's not too late to loose them and let them go. When your skilled hands have performed a perfect surgery, yet there is something your patient needs more than a mended arm or a new heart valve, loose him and let him go. If you have settled for running or working in a practice that is focused on revenue rather than redemption, turn your focus on Jesus and hear his command to work on behalf of your patients to loose them and let them go. The Savior still calls us from the unbelieving crowd of bystanders. He is pleading with us to stop being comfortable sitting on the sideline, looking on. There are many who've had biggest, their biggest impediments in their lives removed and have heard the voice of Jesus, but need your ministry of spiritual healing before they can get to him. A simple spiritual conversation can improve patient satisfaction, trust, and compliance, but personally it brings us, as a Christian health professional, into deeper communion with Christ. Working in connection with him and ministering to others, we are ministered to. One author says it this way. As his representatives among men, Christ does not choose angels who have never fallen, but human beings, men of like passions and those who seek to save. Divinity needed humanity, for it required both the divine and the human to bring salvation to the world. Humanity lays hold upon divine power. Christ dwells in the heart by faith, and through cooperation with the divine, the power of man becomes efficient for good. He is still calling men to his service. However imperfect and sinful we may be, the Lord holds out to us the offer of partnership with himself, of apprenticeship to Christ. He invites us to come under the divine instruction that uniting with Christ, we may work the work of God. As Christian health professionals, we have been called in a particular way to show the world a mystery. We are, we are to introduce them to God, who, while they were sinners, and while they were estranged from him, redeemed them by dying a cruel death as a penalty for their sins. We are to strive and labor and work to preach, warn, and teach every man and woman in all, all wisdom. That's what Colossians 1 is all about. The theme of this conference is Christ in you. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it talks about Christ being in us, the hope of glory. The only way this merciful, loving God can be revealed to the world is through us. 
So when he dwells in us, our words change, our actions change, our motives change. All the barriers that come between the sinner and the Savior fall down. The grave clothes are taken off, and then our patients see the hope of glory. They have an insurance that they can change because you have changed. That their sinful habits can be overcome because they see what Christ working in your life has done. That they can be transformed into the image of God because of the power and the word of God that is transforming your life. Speaking of Colossians chapter 1, Ellen White writes, These words present before the worker of Christ a high attainment, yet this attainment all can reach, who putting themselves under the control of the great teacher learn daily in the school of Christ. The power at God's command is limitless, and the minister who in his great need shuts himself in with the Lord may be assured that he will receive that which which will be to his hearers a savor of life unto life. There are individuals who walk into our offices and hospitals every day who are hurting. There are millions who are bound by Satan looking for hope. The world needs dedicated, earnest, God-filled healthcare professionals for such a time as this. Jesus is waiting for us. Will you answer the call? Will you heed his command? And will you lose them and let them go? There are several barriers that you might see in your own effectiveness in addressing spiritual care with your patients. Maybe you are withholding the information because you don't have time. Maybe you are unfamiliar with the subject matter. Maybe your body language says one thing about spiritual health where your words may say another. Maybe you don't understand the method of Christ and thus are uncertain about its results. Whatever it is, research shows that spirituality is a core need and it has a beneficial influence on health. And more than that, it's our calling as a Christian physician, as an Adventist healthcare provider, to provide our spiritual healthcare to our patients. So I hope you've seen the importance of spiritual healthcare. I know when I was confronted with this myself, my prayer changed, where before when I was asking God to be with me every day, I started changing that prayer for Christ to dwell in me every day so that others can see him, so that he can be touched, so that he can be seen, so that he can be heard in everything. And so I would just ask that if this is your prayer, if you would like Christ to dwell in you so that your patients can be touched and that they may see him in a more full and abundant way, as we pray to close, I just ask you to stand with me at this time. Dear Lord, we have heard your call. Although we may be skeptical or unbelieving or lack faith, although we may lack in experience and knowledge, you still call us. And I just ask for each one to heed that call. Each one of us, may we know what this important work you've entrusted to us is, that of unbinding and untying and loosening the grave clothes that are on those around us. I humbly ask that as we go forward from this place, as we continue to learn throughout this weekend, I ask that we may heed your words and your instructions. May we apply these things in our lives and our practices. And may we go forward in the newness of life, sharing your good news with all those around us and those who come into our offices. Thank you for another opportunity to learn from your feet. 
at your feet, and I thank you for another opportunity to be united with you in your work. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org. Dot audioverse.org.